Hey girl, hopefully that intro song gets you feeling all the feels and gets you dancing a little bit today. Because if you don't know, you'll know soon enough. I love what dancing does for you. Well, welcome to the girl. Let's be real podcast where we are all about real talk and having fun. My name is Jenna and I am an entrepreneur passionate about sharing tools that are actionable to help shift your mindset in order to start loving yourself unconditionally and start living a life you really love. We all have a gift to share and the world craves yours, girlfriend. Real talk. I am no better than you, no different than you. I am one of you. Girl, I'm telling you, I see you, I hear you, and I love you. Girl, I got you. Let's be real. Hey, sister. Woo. I had to take a deep breath before coming on here to start this one to talk about IVF, the journey, the emotion, and the pregnancy. And so episode 17, so one week ago, I started to share my infertility journey with you. And I had three wonderful women on that episode sharing their their stories as well. If you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to listen to that one as well. Before I go into this though, I want to just remind you guys, if you're loving what you're hearing, if you love the content, if you're vibing with this podcast, these episodes, please take the time to leave me a rating and review wherever you're listening. That allows me to reach so many more listeners. And so I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. I hope you're vibing with this message. I want to hear from you. DM me tag your friends on posts on social media, share it with your girlfriends. Let's spread the word. And thank you so much, girl, for being here. Starting in April, I have lots of exciting announcements about what I'm doing as a growth coach. So the courses and the focus groups I'll be launching and announcing. So stay tuned for that. Feel free to reach out. But today, IVF, the journey, the emotion, and the pregnancy. And so I'm going to recap a little before I dive into my IVF story, especially for anyone who hasn't had a chance to listen to episode 17 yet. So Isaac, my husband and I, our story is with secondary infertility, meaning we struggled getting pregnant after already having one healthy child. So our first son, Jacob, we had within six months of trying. We started trying for our second child when Jacob was 11 months and that did not go as quickly or as smoothly. And around eight months of trying, I went to the OB. I was told everything was normal. My OB had no concerns. And so left there, time passed more than a year, lots of the same, a year and a half of trying. We went to see an infertility specialist. Isaac and I both, I've shared with you, always have wanted to be parents so badly and just pictured our family a certain way, right? With multiple kids. And so we finally made that decision to see the fertility specialist after a year and a half of trying for kid number two. And at this point, I had already done 
blood work multiple times, had multiple ultrasounds. Everything was normal. I had done several rounds of Clomid. So we get to the fertility specialist with our hands in the air and we express that we are willing to do anything it takes to have more children, right? And so since I had already done lots of rounds of Clomid, all my blood work and ultrasounds had been normal, we decided to do an IUI. So artificial insemination and that failed. And we ended up failing two IUIs and then were presented with the choice of IVF. Our physician told us if we wanted one kid, we could keep trying with what we had been doing. But if we hoped to have more than one more kid that we should really consider IVF. And so like I shared with you guys, this little piece of this IVF story um, in that previous episode is at that moment, Isaac and I were like, is this really our reality? Like we were literally shocked, girl. Like we had a healthy baby before. Neither of us had changed our diets or habits. Neither one of us had fluctuated weight. Like why in the world was this happening, right? And I shared this story and this will be kind of the last part of the recap. And then we'll dive into this IVF journey. But I shared this before, you know, that I remember walking down the alley behind our house just the two of us, Isaac and I, after that conversation about IVF with our doctor and Isaac was really struggling to grasp the idea. And if we should just trust God's time and God's plan and be patient. And shortly after that conversation in our church service, our pastor told this story that there was this man who lived in a town that was anticipating a horrible flood. People were evacuating, but the man decided to stay. And that man was a man of faith. And he just told the people that he believed God would save him. His house filled with water. The streets flooded. The man went up to the roof. First boat comes. Hey, you need help? And he said back, no, God is going to save me. Second boat comes. Same thing. And then a freaking helicopter comes. And the guy says, no, God is going to save me. Well, the man died and he went to heaven and he said to God, why didn't you save me? I had faith in you. And God said back to the man, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. And at that moment, Isaac and I looked at each other. We smiled, we cried, we prayed, and we just sat in silence. We knew that God, that was God's way of telling us it was okay to do IVF. It was our story. There was nothing to be ashamed of. And you know, this just brings up so much emotion and how choked up I get when I think about that time. And so this is where we left off in that last episode, Isaac and I made the appointment and decided to discuss IVF and there began our next chapter in our journey. And so after making that big decision to move forward with IVF and listen, girl, if you're faced with this right now, if you and your partner are faced with doing IVF, I get it. The struggle is real and I am here. And after you make that big decision to move forward with IVF, shoot, this is legit a journey in itself. And so we make that decision to do IVF. And then next comes all the medications, all the injections, all the appointments. And if you've lived it, girl, you know, it becomes like another job for you during those months. And so with IVF, there's just lots of steps in the journey. 
lots of medications to control what's happening with your body, lots of appointments and lab work. There's an egg retrieval, sperm samples, an embryo transfer. It's definitely one of those things in life. And you probably know these things in your life that you really have to get your mind right, right? Like constantly pump yourself up, remind yourself why you're doing this. Keep that positive self-talk flowing in your brain. And I'm going to run through kind of a rough outline of the medical side of things, the step-by-step process with IVF. And listen, I'm probably going to leave a few details here out here and there. And like, I always ask you, just please give me some grace. If you're someone who knows a lot on IVF, but I'm just painting the picture of this medical journey for you. And so first I had to go on birth control because that's required so that your ovaries can be prepared for simulation. It allows the fertility team to schedule your cycle and plan accordingly because girl, everything is so calculated and controlled. And for me, even though this seems like the easiest part of the whole journey to most people, because many women, especially in their younger years, go on some sort of birth control. This one was hard for me. I went on birth control many, many years ago for a short time, but it just did funky things to me and my body. So I had to go off it pretty quickly and I never went back on it. So this was literally my first time using birth control since I was like 19 years old. And then after that, you start your treatment and I'm not sure anything or anyone prepares you mentally for that moment. When you receive your first box of medications, all the needles, the sharps containers, the vials of medications, it honestly is a holy shit moment. And that's coming from me. Who's a PA. So I'm in the medical field and I literally give injections all the time for my job. Right. But honestly, it is such an alarming, just holy shit moment. And excuse my French, I hope no kids are around. And so during a regular menstrual cycle, your hormones from your pituitary gland, LH and FSH cooperate and the growth and release of an egg from a fluid filled follicle within your ovary. And while numerous follicles start growing each month, only one becomes mature enough to ovulate. This is during a regular menstrual cycle. Well, during an IVF cycle, It's desirable for several eggs to mature at the same time with FSH injection, with a trigger injection given to mature the developing eggs before collection. And so with IVF, much like everything, you know, ovarian simulation is controlled. It involves stimulating the ovaries with medication to promote the growth of follicles containing eggs. And this is done with daily FSH injections for between nine and 14 days. And the response of the ovaries is monitored with regular ultrasounds and blood tests. And so back to what I said earlier, it literally is a daily task that you're doing during this time. And obviously, I mean, it is so worth it because I constantly reminded myself why I was doing this, why Isaac and I made this decision in the first place. And speaking of Isaac, so, you know, I'll share that Isaac gave me most of my injections. And I mean, one, Isaac isn't in the medical field. 
He doesn't give injections. He never has to my husband. God love him. Hates anything to do with needles. Hates anything to do with medicine or doctor's offices, which the irony that I'm in the medical field, right? But probably the biggest one is three. He hated the thought of him stabbing me with a needle and hurting me. And so the ovarian stimulation phase that ends once ultrasounds show that number and size of follicles are adequate. The FSH and GNRH injections are then stopped. Then your fertility specialist lets you know when to administer your trigger injection. And this is an injection of HCG to aid the egg's final maturation and loosening it from the follicle wall. The timing, the timing of this trigger injection is so freaking important. And they kept stressing that to me. And I had so many nerves about doing this injection at the exact right time. So many nerves. Honestly, when thinking about this episode and reflecting back, kid you not, some of those nerves and butterflies came back. I, I started literally to feel nauseous and I'm feeling honestly like no joke, total transparency and vulnerability. I feel nauseous right now a little bit. Um, because it's just that pressure. And I'll keep talking about this, but then the egg retrieval takes place 34 to 36 hours later after this trigger injection. And this is a procedure. Like you're slightly sedated for this. It takes about 20 to 30 minutes, depending on the number of follicles that have developed. And I put so much pressure on myself mentally for this day. How many eggs were they going to retrieve? Because that would determine how many possible viable eggs we would have and then determine the possibility of how many normal embryos we have, right? And uh, it just goes back to my nerves, how constantly sick to my stomach I felt about the pressure. And that same day, Isaac provided a semen sample. So the sperm then is washed and added to the eggs, placed in an incubator, and the embryologist does their thing right? And they're incredible. That job is so cool. And then it's the big day, the big day, the embryo transfer. And this is two to five days after that egg retrieval. The embryo chosen for transfer is inserted into a plastic catheter. And honestly, that process only takes a few minutes and it's pretty painless. But girl, this day, wow. This day was just, wow. And the kicker here is we were going through all of this in COVID times and Isaac couldn't be back there with me because of that. And so that made that so much more emotional on our side of things, but I'll never forget the moment they showed me the picture of the embryo that was going to be transferred. Tears started rolling down my face. I was just so flooded with emotions. I was looking at a picture of a bunch of little cells it wasn't a baby. It wasn't what you typically think, but it was the cells of our future child, the child that we had wanted for so freaking long. And I mean, I've always been a science nerd, but this moment, it was just, I mean, I was in absolute awe of science. I remember as soon as she walked away, praying and just thanking God for all this to be possible. And then, you know, after the transfer is what's called the luteal phase, it's the next two weeks between the embryo transfer and the pregnancy test. And during this time, they stress to you 
that it's important to look after yourself and to maintain good health and well-being. You're encouraged to limit strenuous activity. You start taking hormones and it just goes back to that pressure I felt. I needed to be healthy, but not work out too hard, not overdo it. I didn't want to mess up. We had just worked so hard to create, right? I mean, if you've gone through this, like you feel me, right? Like, I mean, reflecting back, I'm like, Jenna, girl, give yourself some grace and love sister. Do you know what all you have been through? Right. But that wasn't my headspace at the time. The time from the embryo transfer to the pregnancy test seemed like the longest time ever. I had had every thought and emotion you can imagine running through my head during this days. And so then finally the pregnancy test, right? Like the moment that would tell if it worked. And when we were told I was pregnant, oh my God, I, I literally cannot even describe it. Again, we cried. We hugged. We hugged for so freaking long. We cheered. We literally like screamed out loud. I mean, we were just, ah, we were just so overwhelmed with emotion and appreciation before I move on. And I, so before I move on and talk about the emotion of the pregnancy, I do want to mention the elephant in the room when talking IVF, right? Like if you are considering this or you've been through it, the elephant in the room when talking about IVF, the money. And I'm going to tell you, yes, it was expensive. And no, for us, insurance did not cover a dime. And I get it. Everybody's situation is different. We're in Ohio with our professions. Insurance didn't cover a dime of this whole journey for us. And yeah, it's freaking expensive. And the realization of both those things were very hard. And Isaac and I feel extremely blessed. We were able to figure it out. And if you're faced with this decision and you're going through the emotion that this brings, reach out to me, sister, because this is so big on so many levels. And so here we go, right? The pregnancy, this was something I wasn't prepared for. The day-to-day struggle during the first few months of this pregnancy. Jenna, you're pregnant. You did it. You should be so happy, so thankful. And I was, I definitely was, don't get me wrong. But then I started to feel so anxious, so worried about keeping this baby. I started putting that pressure on myself not to do anything to screw this up. We had gone through so much mentally and physically, Isaac and I, we had spent so much time and money. Like I need to keep this baby. I mean, it was crazy. I didn't anticipate these feelings. And I'm not sure why. I mean, I understand why someone would would feel those things. It is a lot of freaking pressure on a woman to carry a human for 40 weeks for another human to live off you. And girl, if you've been pregnant, you are a badass. I am telling you, you are incredible. Us women, we're freaking incredible. Yeah. Pat us on the back. Clap for yourself today if you're a mama and you have carried a human being and birthed a child, right? Seriously though, when you think about that, it freaking blows my mind, right? Like you are a badass. Okay, mama. And if you're going, you know, through this for the first time or you're pregnant right now, like, ah, give yourself some grace, girl. 
Well, so a few weeks after the embryo transfer, we had a big scare. And it was actually the day we threw Jacob, our oldest, a birthday party. Luckily, everyone had left besides my parents at this time. But Isaac and I were standing outside on our patio talking with my parents, and I felt a rush. I had white shorts on. I ran inside to our basement bathroom, and I was covered in blood. I instantly screamed and cried so loud that Isaac and my parents ran into the house. They heard me from outside. And I remember just screaming, no, 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 this isn't happening. I lost the baby. It was on a weekend. And so the office wasn't open. Our doctor's office wasn't open. But thankfully, I had the number of our fertility doctor and I text him and I told him what happened. And he told me not to assume the worst until we know for sure that this can happen and everything can be totally fine. And even though he said that, that's not where my brain was, right? That's not the headspace I was in. That wasn't the thoughts that were running through my head. And we were actually doing a home renovation at this time. So We had an air mattress in our living room and I just laid on that air mattress crying the rest of the day with Isaac holding me thinking the absolute worst. Luckily, my parents were still here and able to take Jacob, our son home with them. So he didn't have to see me like that. Isaac and I didn't really sleep that night. Then we were able to go to the doctor the next day and still in COVID times, but thankfully because of the circumstances, they let Isaac come back with me. I laid down, we did the ultrasound and we heard a heartbeat, the most amazing sound in the world. And it gets me choked out, like the most amazing sound in the world. Isaac and I started to cry again, happy tears this time, of course. I did, however, have a good amount of blood we saw. And I have what's called subchorionic hemorrhage. So subchorionic hematoma, which is the pooling of blood between the chorion, a membrane surrounding the embryo and the uterine wall. And I was told I needed to take it fairly easy and be reasonable, but our doctor was pretty confident everything would be fine. Oh, right? Like, ah, oh, just a deep breath. And so we got through that scare and felt extremely fortunate. Not going to lie, the worry and the emotions I described previously continued for a while. And honestly, even if you don't get pregnant with IVF, if you've just been pregnant, you've probably experienced some, if not all of these same emotions, carrying a child, being responsible for the health of that human, right? And so after that scare... I had a pretty uneventful pregnancy, counting our blessings, and we celebrated the birth of our second boy, Jonah, on April 6, 2021. And we're actually coming up on his one-year birthday one week from today. Yay! Right? He's the sweetest, happiest, most perfect little boy, and I know I'm biased because he's mine and I'm his mama, but seriously, we just feel so Bless. And something I didn't talk about was the fact that if you're fortunate enough to do IVF and you're fortunate enough to have multiple normal embryos and you have at least one of each gender, you're given the option to choose the gender. You have an option, boy, girl, or healthiest embryo. 
And Isaac and I chose healthiest embryo. And we're going to be given this option when we decide to have for our next child. And it's definitely one of those strange things that's hard to wrap your brain around. And if you've ever been here, you know what I mean. And so again, I'm here for you. So lots that goes into the IVF journey, girlfriend, no doubt, sister, if you're going through it or you're contemplating IVF, please DM me, please reach out. I'd love to connect with you. It's a lot. Oh, it is a lot. Well, I hope you found this insightful and helpful. I love you, girl. Stay strong and keep pushing forward. Thank you so much for listening and letting me be a part of your day, friend. If you loved what you heard on this episode, it would honestly mean the world to me if you leave me a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. Your comment helps me so much to be able to connect with more listeners. And if you haven't, make sure to subscribe. Also, share it with one of your girlfriends. Like text her right now. And post on social media and tag me at jenna.cloffenstein so I can personally thank you and connect. I am so, so grateful to have you along on this journey with me. Friend, take a deep breath, smile, dance a little, and have a fabulous day. We'll talk soon.